This is the Voices of Misery podcast. This show isn't for the easily offended, so PC Police on Patrol stand by. You've been warned. Now, let's join the nerd and nerdette with another podcast for that ass. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's another episode of the Voices of Misery podcast. I'm, of course, one half of the nerds. I am the nerd, and you are? <laughs> the nerd. <laughs> you are laughing your ass off because we've been trying to do this intro multiple times now. And the thing is, is we're so excited because we just wrapped an episode with a good friend of the show, Randy Santel. He is a professional eater, which means he gets paid to eat food. A lot of food. This man can put away an entire family's worth of of dinner in seconds. This man is a beast. He's a hell of a social media influencer. He's got millions of, of fans and followers around the world. He's a cool guy, very relatable, and I think you guys are going to dig this interview. And the funniest thing about this whole interview is you were actually a part of it. Now, why is that funny? Because you don't ever do interviews, but you were so excited for this one that you were involved, and I'm very happy that you are, so thank you. I just Whatever. want to publicly thank you for being involved with this oh interview. Oh, my God. So without further ado, and thanks to our sponsor for this episode, who comes on earlier, uh, the Dreamscape guy, Mm -hmm. thank you for being a friend of the show and for sponsoring it. And uh, yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And you can find us on Twitter at Voices of Misery, Gmail, Voices of Misery Podcast at gmail.com, and all sorts of other media outlets, Instagram, Facebook, all other bullshit. Just type in Voices of Misery and you can find us. So... Without further ado, I'm going to introduce our good friend, and here's the interview with Randy Santel. Welcome back to the Voices of Misery podcast. I'm extremely pleased to have our guest, Mr. Randy Santel here. Holy shit. (laughs) Hey, thanks for having me on the show. This is going to be fun. Oh, my goodness, my friend. You don't know what you walked into here, do you? (laughs) I do not. That is very true. I'm just hoping for the best. I got good expectations, though. Well, we got you here now. There's no running, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing well. No, this is, uh, I'm on a 12-week break from all my food challenges to lose weight, and I'm down over 40 pounds since what I started at, so feeling a lot better than I was about six and a half weeks ago. 40 pounds in 12 weeks? That's pretty good. What are you eating? Uh, no, six weeks. Oh, six weeks. Oh, my God, even better. So, like, what are you eating? Well, the big thing is, is I was at 373.9 pounds, so it's pretty easy to lose the first few. But uh, rather than food challenges, just sticking to a lot of leaner uh, meats, healthy vegetables, fruits, stuff like that. But then also, now that I'm home and have so much more time available, doing a lot more uh, exercise. So I've got a really nice spin bike that I got myself as a graduation present when I graduated last March. Uh, No, not March, last May. And so I've been on that about uh, probably about, let's see, 10 hours a week. And then I lift as well. Wow. Holy crap. Damn. Yeah, it's definitely nothing that uh, I recommend because most people don't have the time to do that all. Yeah. Like, do you have a weight goal? Are you trying to hit a certain weight? Uh, Well, I'm trying to get back under 300 uh, because then that'll be over 70 or however many pounds that is. 
But uh, the main goal is just to feel better and be healthier so that I'm ready to actually, we've got more people on our team now and I'm going to be traveling less. So I'm going to be able to work out more during my tours when I'm doing all the food challenges. So I'm just making sure that I have my body ready for all that. Wow. Well, the thing, the thing about the food challenges is something I, I, I'm really interested about because your weight, because I did look you up on, on Google to kind of see like what you looked like before the food challenges and after. And you were like ripped, man. You were freaking like ripped as hell. And you gained yeah, a lot of weight. That's what's funny is a lot of people compare me now to what I was back then. But I always joke that I've had a six pack at two different times for about eight days total. <laughs> so, but first of all, do I need to introduce myself to your audience at all? Okay. Of course, go right ahead. Oh, well, cool. Okay. Well, for everybody that hasn't heard of me or watched the video on YouTube or our Facebook page, my name is Randy Santel. I go by the term professional eater, not really competitive eater because I don't really do too many eating contests, but I've started back in March, 2010. I'm actually coming up on my 10 year anniversary this March 19th, but I've got 829 food challenge wins similar to on the show Man vs. Food on the Travel Channel, and uh, 829 wins in all 50 states. I'm the third person to do that, and then I've got wins in 37 countries. So I'll be doing it for about two or three more years. I just finished up my second bachelor's degree last May. My first one was construction management back in 2008, but I got a degree in dietetics in 2022 after I do a 1,200-hour dietetic internship and pass the test. I'll be a registered dietitian. And because of all my food challenges and the route I'm taking to grow my social media, I'll become the number one social media dietitian pretty much, which will be a lot of fun. And then I'll retire from all the food challenges. How do you Holy crap, man? That's a, quite a resume. How yeah, you... there's, a, there's oh. a plan to it all. And every time I tell people, oh, I'm in the process of becoming a dietitian, they're like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> well, how the hell do you build such a following on social media? Because that seems to be the battle for so many people that are trying to be influencers. How do you build that brand? Well, it's a big thing about land grabbing. Uh, that's why so many people are trying to get into TikTok, which is kind of the new thing right now. But I started all this back in 2010. There weren't nearly as many people trying to have YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and stuff like that. So just starting out earlier away before all those people was the big thing. But also, too, everybody that watches our videos, they know that I truly care about what I'm doing. I'm very engaging with the audience, always trying to keep everybody involved and make sure that they know they're appreciated. Uh, our best business decision was getting involved actively on Facebook. Uh, it wasn't monetized at the time, uh, but we started to upload our same YouTube channel videos to our Facebook page in 2015. And uh, we always, it wasn't monetized, like I said. So at the time, we were actually taking away from our YouTube channel, but we knew that eventually Mark Zuckerberg would get everything monetized. So that actually did monetize in 2018. And because we were uploading for three years before that, when it wasn't monetized, so nobody really else was, we were able to be one of the first channels to actually be monetized. Uh, other than like the Unilads and big media conglomerates that just share other people's videos, we were one of the first actual personal brands to actually be monetized because we already had such a big following with that. So uh, that's what really helped us. My uh, my stepchild is Instagram. We're only at, I think, 110,000 followers on that. I don't use that as actively as 
YouTube and Facebook. Sure, 110,000. That's that's not a number to scoff at. That's a hell of a oh, following. Oh, yeah. No, no, yeah. yeah. It's a lot, just not as much when you factor in. We're about to hit a million uh, here in probably two months, I think, on YouTube. We'll have to see. But, yeah, now, uh, just to really answer your question, there is just so many more people thinking that they can get a YouTube channel or a Facebook page. But the bigger thing to that is people want the results that I have now, not realizing that it took me 10 years yeah. in a yeah. much easier market to grow the following. Now, you did mention professional eater. What's the difference between a professional eater or, and a competitive eater? Okay, okay. yeah. A uh, competitive eater is pretty much uh, mostly, I mean, you can do food challenges, but it's mainly eating contests. So, uh, like doing eating competitions, like that. Have you ever watched the big hot dog contest on the 4th of July? Oh, yes. yeah. On yep. Coney Island, yeah. Yeah, that's an eating contest where all those people line up against each other to see who can eat the most hot dogs in the 10 minutes. The food challenges that I do, that's my own niche, as the, I also own the website foodchallenges.com. There's a global database of all the food challenges around, as well as I've got about 100 articles for people interested in learning how to train, strategize, and uh, even recover from food challenges. But yeah, I just do the food challenges. So to steer away, because I don't really do eating contests, I just use the term professional eater. Uh, but it also, just like competitive eater gets overused, people don't realize that the term professional means that uh, through whatever you're doing, you make over 50% of your income. So there is some people using the term professional leader and they definitely don't make any money. It's uh, it's not an easy field to make money in and really the best way, other than if you really want to just travel all around the United States and really, really hustle uh, for the eating contest money and stuff like that, doing social media is the way to go as far as uh, eating challenges and stuff like that. Now, how do you get involved with these challenges? Do you just, you know, go into a restaurant and they have like a specific thing that they have set up? Well, like, yes. Yeah. Well, the all, the, all the restaurants have food challenges. Uh, uh, the Man versus Food boom back in like 2011, 12, really helped just stir up all these different food challenges uh, with the show being popular. But for the first years, uh, well, many years, up until the end of 2018, I was creating my own schedule, doing all my events and everything like that. But now I've got a team. It's called Further You, uh, a company that I'm involved with. They actually have a, a team that contacts restaurants, and they handle all my schedule of events and all my marketing and media and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So, so, what's the, so what's the prep work like when, like, let's say, all right, so we have a uh, pizza, like a very large pizza we want Randy to come in and eat. How do you prepare yourself to, to go ahead and eat like a 30 inch pizza or whatever oh yeah oh yeah of course yeah no that's a great question i get a lot and uh, i've got a video about how to train on the youtube channel and facebook page too i think but then there's a whole stomach training capacity section and before the challenge too on uh, foodchallenges.com i train a little bit different than i used to back in the day back in the day i used to actually live in kansas city missouri and i had a grocery store very close to me that had like a $6.99 uh, salad bar buffet. Yeah. So before a challenge, like two days before, or also, uh, yeah, no, I guess the big max out meal is probably what I use that for. 
The other thing I would do is eat like 12 or 13 pounds of watermelon. But you want to do, if you've never done a food challenge before, you want to have a couple days leading up of eating bigger meals and maybe even drinking some liquids too, just to get your stomach uh, used to expanding and relaxing. But about 18 to 22 hours before your food event, you want to just do a giant max out meal. So like I said, I used to go to that grocery store and eat like six, seven, eight plates of fruits and vegetables. And then I would also, when I didn't want to do that, I would just do the watermelon. But you could also, my, I'm prone to being bigger, so I always had to watch my calories. But you could also do a pizza buffet. You could do a Chinese buffet, whatever you want. But then, yeah, for the next 18 to 22 hours after you're done with that meal, it's pretty much just fasting and let all that food and stuff go through you so that once it's time to eat, you're empty. You okay. still definitely that want to stay hydrated question. and get a lot of water. <laughs> Wow, that's a lot. How did you even like decide to get into, uh, you know, doing this professionally? Oh, yeah, yeah. But let me finish that real quick. Is that yeah. uh, the day of, you don't want to be like tired and dehydrated. So the morning of and really the afternoon, if I'm doing like an evening challenge, I might have like a protein shake or some yogurt, uh, fruits or something like that for breakfast, maybe some coffee too, since it's a diuretic. But then yeah, just uh, sip on the water throughout the day and then be ready to take the challenge. But did you guys ever watch the show Spartacus? It was on the Stars Network. No. Yes. I never saw it. I, she, I did. She did. Yeah, she yeah. Saw it. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a very popular show all about gladiators and ancient Rome and stuff like that. But in 2010, or really before that, I played college football and high school football as an offensive lineman. And my weight in high school got up to 346 pounds. And in college, I ranged anywhere from 295 to 325. But I knew that after I was done with college football, I didn't need that weight. So I worked on trying to get my body weight back down to a, a more reasonable uh, area. But then in 2010, I stumbled upon, in the Men's Health magazine, I stumbled upon a contest. It was a 12-week thing, but I had found out about it late. So I started with only eight weeks to go, but it was called the Men's Health 2010 Spartacus Body Transformation Challenge, and I ended up winning that. I submitted before and after photos, and about two or three weeks before, my buddy that I went to school with at uh, Missouri State University, where I had both degrees, and then played college football with, he invited me to do a 28-inch pizza challenge in St. Louis, Missouri, where we're both from called the Pointersaurus Pizza at a place called Pointers Pizza. But it was 28 uh, inches diameter, about 11 pounds with two meat toppings. We had one hour to finish, and we finished in about 48 minutes. And uh, we got a, uh, the meal free. It was like a $50 pizza. And then we got a $500 check and T-shirt. So that was cool. And then I had like six, seven pounds of the pizza, and I really wasn't even that full. I had some ice cream on the way home just to settle my stomach. Oh my and then... God. I even ate dinner later that night with mom and dad. So I was like, you know what? I'm pretty good at this. I think I'm going to try another one. And then in Jefferson City, Missouri, which is the capital of Missouri, just like an hour and a half away from where my family lived, about a month later after the first challenge, I tried an 18-inch almost deep dish pizza. And I was the first person out of over 120 people to win that. And then I got a $450 check for that. So really everything just regarding just the food challenges specifically started from there. 
Oh my God, that poor that poor toilet. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of that because especially with like pizza challenges and all that, there's just so much cheese. So I'll have like a two or three, four pounds of cheese challenge and people will be like, oh my gosh, did you take fiber or laxatives or something? Oh my gosh. So let me ask you, because you aren't a dietitian here, so you know a lot more about this than I do. So I'm going to ask you this question. Well, I'm not technically a dietitian. I'm, uh, I'm working on it. Oh, well, you will it's definitely. A, it's a, one of the best things, and actually why I'm working on becoming a dietitian, is because it's a legally protected term. So unless you've gone through the steps to become a dietitian, you can't call yourself one. So once I'm, once I'm a dietitian, I'll be at the top, and uh, it'll really help the nutrition education system and book and everything that I'll be promoting and uh, educating people on using my channels. Gotcha. So let me ask you this though. Uh, are you worried about the long-term effects on your health? Do the um, eating so much in such a very small time frame? Is there anything that you worry about? Uh, well, as far as that, the, the eating so much in a quick time frame. That really doesn't uh, bother me, but I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years. So as far as the long-term effects, um, I mean, I can't say it doesn't worry me or bother me at all. I know it bothers mom and dad, but I've been trying to make sure that I get all the exercise that I can. Like before I start back up touring again on April 7th, uh, at the very beginning of April, I'm going to get my blood levels tested and check all that out. I try to eat all the fruits and vegetables that I can outside of the challenges. Um, I try to focus on uh, just the exercise itself, helps with cholesterol and, uh, and all my blood levels and all like that. But yeah, the excessive weight gain sometimes can definitely be something. But once I get done with all the food challenges, uh, which will be like 2022, I'll have a much better, healthier diet. So that will help with everything. But um, yeah, no, it worries me, but also, too, I know why I'm doing this and, and what it's all going to lead to, uh, and it is worth it. There's a quote by Amelia Earhart that uh, it's one of my favorite four quotes, and it says something. I don't remember exactly, but it's like, uh, think about whether the, the goal is, is worth the risk, and if it is, quit worrying. I like it. Hmm. And now, how long do you tour for every year? Is it like nine months? Is that what you said? Well, now it's different because okay. I was in school from August 2016 till May 2019. So okay. I would do a very long, like 70 to 80 day international tour uh, during the summers. And then during the winter breaks, I'd have three weeks available to do a quadrant of the United States. So, like, I started out with the Northwest USA tour, then did a Southwest, then a Southeast. I've still got to focus on the Northeast, which I'll do uh, in the future. But um, now that I'm out of school, I don't really have any set tours, and it's just constant traveling, really. I took all of, I took all of last September off, but I didn't take enough breaks then. I'm going to be taking a, little more, a few more breaks this, week, this year. Because uh, we actually, I knew I was going to have so much more time available. So we actually bumped up to four videos per week. I bumped up the part-time editor that I had to full-time. Uh, he just had a new baby uh, at the time and was recently married. So I figured it would really help him being full-time rather than having to work like Walmart jobs and stuff like that. 
be able to be home with his daughter more and edit videos. But keeping up with four food challenge videos a week is crazy, especially because I knew I wanted to take these like 14 weeks off to start 2020. I had to have plenty of videos to support us and still post throughout the whole time I was on break. So right. I was very, very active the last three or four months of 2020 or 2019. Is there a country that you haven't been to that you would like to go and compete in? Oh, definitely. Or yes. Eat? Yeah. The goal is to get to like 50 or 55 countries and I'm at 37 now. Wow. So uh, now that I'm, uh, our, our reach has expanded so much. Uh, one of the ways that we find out about a lot of the events and food challenges and then I get them into the database is just from people uh, either emailing me or Facebook messaging me or Instagram DMing me. And then I, I note them all and then I have a, a guy that helps add all those. But I found out about food challenges in Latvia. Uh, there's challenges around South America. There's challenges in South Africa. So those are all places I haven't been to yet and I definitely want to get there. So, but I'll be, my, my bread and butter outside the USA is the United Kingdom. I've been there. I've got over 100 food challenge wins in the United Kingdom and Ireland. I'll be going there for about five weeks in October and November. That's excellent. Australia as well. That's a big market. I was there and did like 44 food challenges in 2017. I'll be going back there in early 2021. Awesome. Now, now let me ask you this question here because this is, pretty uh pretty interesting to me now because you go to different countries now when you go there do you have like a list of foods that you will not eat or do you have to eat the quote-unquote hometown food or whatever they eat over Yuck. there you know <laughs> even in the any anywhere even outside the united states all the food challenges are inspired by america oh, so a lot of the food challenges are american type foods like in germany i did a steak challenge even in the Philippines, uh, we basically had a restaurant create a food challenge for us with traditional Filipino foods, uh, pork lechon and a couple other things. But two of the challenges I did were burgers, and then one of them was a hot dog challenge in the Philippines. So uh, it's funny sometimes. I did an English breakfast challenge in uh, Pattaya, Thailand, and then in Bangkok, Thailand, I did a Japanese curry challenge. So. It's funny. It just really just kind of depends on the restaurants that actually host the challenges. Not always. I mean, food challenges aren't a big thing uh, in a lot of like the Asian countries and stuff like that. Sure. So uh, a lot of the times, too, it's American and, and foreign restaurant owners that will that will be more inclined to start the food challenges. Is there any kind of food that you're like, okay, I got this easy. I don't really have to train too much. Or is there a food like maybe like steak? You have to be like, all right, I, I really got to train for this. Uh, well, anything under six pounds, I really don't have to train too hard. Uh, so no matter even what Even now, is. 10 years later, it's kind of like riding a bike. Uh, like I haven't done a food challenge since uh, January, but I mean, I could still jump right in and do like a four or five pound challenge if I wanted to. Have you ever done a challenge where you started eating the food and it just did not taste well? <laughs> it's like, there's no way I'm going to finish this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. Well, no. Um, I'm able to struggle through or power through any taste issues. Oh, but, God. Uh, I mean, there's been challenges that were just, I've been screwed over a couple times. Uh, not really a couple times, more than that. How so? Just like, well, restaurants adding more food than they should have. 
Oh, that's like that's I did a 55 wing challenge, 55 jumbo breaded wings challenge uh, back home, actually near my hometown, which was sad because so many people there were to wa- were there to watch it. But the owner, for some unknown reason, I don't know if it was the owner or the cooks who did it. I, I can't say honestly whether I know or not, but I do know that the cooks went through like 600 wings to pick out the 55 biggest wings. Wow. So that I would have like the hardest time ever trying to finish. In December, I tried to do a pancake challenge up in Minnesota. The pancake, I've had like three or four friends, uh, and some of them I know I can eat quite a bit more than, that those people have beaten the challenge. And the pancake that came out for me was just massive. And then I lost. And then for like, oh, sorry, it might have been a little bit bigger than the others. Uh, but I was like, oh, oh, really? It might have been. Yes. You could actually see their trays. Mine was like, like overlapping by a couple inches on each side. Wow. And it was thicker. Now, what happens like during a challenge, like if you're, you're, you're eating an awful lot and like you throw up, like, are you immediately disqualified oh, or yeah, can you continue? Would, yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah. That's happened a couple of times. I just, I, I lost 12 times in, um, in 2019. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, now that we have so many people coming to events, uh, it's definitely nothing that is beneficial for anybody if I get sick. So if I know that there's no chance I'm going to finish, I will uh, just kind of uh, waste some time uh, acting like I'm really struggling or something like that so that I don't end up throwing up if I just try to go too hard, uh, just knowing that I won't finish. But if I really, truly do think that it's possible to finish and everybody's cheering me on, uh, I just tell the restaurant to have a bucket in case. And uh, I did need it a couple times. Oh, geez. Like, what kind of turnouts do you get? Like, how many people show up to these events? That you it all to- depends on uh, the restaurant in the area. So if a restaurant's actively promoting it, uh, we've had over 200 people at a couple events. Does that make you nervous or like, are you happy to see that? Uh, well, only nervous if I know the food challenge is massive. Okay. If I know I'm going to win, I'm excited because everybody's going to be there. The other thing, I have a lot of friends in the food challenge world that, um, I mean, they know I go hard. So, but also they understand how I can do like two a days and stuff. I've probably done like 40 of those where you do a challenge at lunch and then a challenge at like seven or eight at night. But what they don't understand is there's some times where I'll eat seven or eight pounds of food and then I'll have a hundred people there at the event and I'll spend over an hour and a half being there afterwards, signing autographs, handing out uh, store items that people are interested in and stuff like that. That's what they don't understand. Cause when they eat like a big food challenge, it really stuffs them. They just want to lay down and go to bed. Or watch right. TV or something. So that's one thing. It's really cool. Uh, like one of my favorite stories is people telling me that whenever I do a lunch food challenge, they'll tell me, I just had to tell my coworkers that I'm taking a long lunch so I can go watch a guy eat. <laughs> <laughs> and the looks on their faces was priceless. That's really cool, though, that you stay behind, you know, and you give autographs out and stuff like that. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not always the first one there just because sometimes I'm traveling many hours to the next location. But uh, I'm always usually the last to leave. 
That's really cool. Now, right now you're in the process of losing weight. So what's the average meal look like? Because obviously you're not eating 55 wings in a sitting when you're sitting at home, right? No, all my meals are pretty small. Uh, like uh, one of my typical breakfasts, uh, I guess really it's it's small to me. It's it's probably big to, to smaller people. But like I'll have a cup of oatmeal with a cup of wheat bran, which is just loaded with fiber, and then some flaxseed and then all the water it takes to make that oatmeal. But yeah, that's like a typical size meal. And then maybe like two hours, I'll have two hours later, I'll have a cup of, of, of yogurt with some fruit. Uh, I might make like a pound of mixed vegetables with some salmon or mackerel or chicken or something like that. It's always pretty smaller stuff, especially when you compare it to the food challenges, because I'm letting my stomach stay constrict, stay con contracted and uh, just let it rest during this time. So then it can get back to work once I'm back to doing the food challenges. Now, when you're doing the food challenges, you're obviously taking in a lot of calories because you're eating a lot. How much do you work out to kind of balance it out and uh, kind of keep your weight without, you know, like from fluctuating so much? Well, that was the problem in 2019 with how big our, our social media grew by over 300,000 on both YouTube and Facebook. So to manage all that and, uh, my sale, my my sales team, or whatever you want to call them, uh, that's been booking all the events. It's been all around the United States, and then I travel by myself a lot, so I'm always driving myself to all the events. And sometimes I might do one in Louisville, and then I'll have to be four hours or six hours somewhere else the next day. So with all that driving, you don't get a whole lot done. And when we had to do the four video posts per week and everything else exercise was usually on the back burner right i might be able to like respond to instagram comments or something while i'm walking but i mean that's not gonna help burn off an eight pound grilled cheese sandwich <laughs> oh my god how often do you do the challenges is, is it like every day when you're on tour every other day that's the thing is sometimes every day Oh, like I, I, I did a back in 2015, I did an Eastern USA tour that was like 78 days. I think I did 74 food challenges. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> even on the days I take off, I there's other days with two a days. Yeah. Like so, I mean, it's still averaging to one a day. Now that I'm a bit older now, I've been like I said, I'm going on 10 years. My body doesn't recover as fast as it used to. So I don't really ever look into two-a-days. Now, with all the challenges you've done, is there one that you consider like the absolute hardest that you don't think you would ever go back and do again? Um, ooh, I don't know. Well, sometimes the difficulty depends on my preparation. Okay. So, But as far as the food challenge, I have no desire to ever do again. Uh, the ones I hate are always the spicy ones. Uh, like, uh, like those peppers I can handle, but when you get to the point where you're dealing with Trinidad Maruga scorpion peppers, oh, Carolina God. reaper peppers and stuff like that, there's only one word to describe it and it is miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I did a food challenge back in 2012 that had 10 wings covered in Trinidad Maruga scorpion sauce. It oh. took me two and a half minutes to eat the wings. It took me two and a half hours to walk out of the restaurant. Oh God! Oh, Jesus! I can't even imagine. And my dad, I got paid like two hundred fifty dollars for it. And my dad 
while I was pe- like leaning over the bathroom and the, the toilet and stuff. He's like, well, was it worth it, you dumbass? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, not right now, but it will be when I feel better. <laughs> I kind of want to take a quick step backwards before we get back into the food stuff and ask you about the football career. Why did you leave football? Uh, just my dad. Really? Yeah, he didn't give me any speed, any quick thinking, or anything that it takes to be a good football player. (laughs) (laughs) He only gave me a lot of heart, and I had a lot of that. But once you get into the college realm and uh, NFL or anything, heart alone ain't going to do it. So I actually went into college knowing that I was just doing the football for fun and that that it wasn't going to take me anywhere after. So that's what that actually helped me because it allowed me to be fo- more focused on the school. Definitely a lot of partying with all the football guys and all that, but I always knew that construction management, my major, was going to be what I wanted to do after. It only it wasn't until after I actually graduated and was in the field that I realized that construction sucks. Oh, God, yeah. Well, so, there's always the XFL. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? I haven't watched the game yet, but I know there's a lot of people following especially since the St. Louis Rams left St. Louis back to Los Angeles. We've got the St. Louis Battlehawks now. So everybody that loved football that hated it when the Rams left, now they've got the XFL. So I'm excited for all those people. I used to live in Kansas City for seven years. So I'm freely able to cheer for the Chiefs when I want. Oh, man, that was a heartbreaker. (laughs) I was so mad at that game, man. Oh, you were uh, 49ers? Oh, like I'm a Giants fan, but I really felt like the refs wanted the Chiefs to win that game, man. I was really bitter about that one. I'm just an uh, NFC guy. I just want the NFC to win. If my Giants aren't there, anybody from the NFC gets my gets my full vote of confidence. It was a long night. It was a long hey, night. Here. I loved I loved the Chiefs win, but there was a middle portion in between halves that was really good. Oh god. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually on a cruise boat at the time. And I was uh, I was drinking my calories and not eating. So to say that I remembered a lot of the second half would be a lie. <laughs> remember that halftime. But I, I did know that they won. Oh, yeah. No, I remember the halftime. <laughs> People were so outraged by seeing women just shake their butts. But last year, well, the year before that, Adam Levine was walking around with his Mickey Mouse tattoos and his shirt off. But no one complained about that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what I hated? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, what's, like... That guy ruined it. (laughs) Oh, okay. I had no idea who that Hispanic guy was. Yeah, I I don't know who that guy was. He's got, like, three million Instagram followers, but I had no idea who he was. And all I wanted to see was Shakira and J-Lo. I think that's what everybody wanted to see. Yeah, that's what everyone wanted to see. (laughs) But the next day, the outrage was just insane. I don't know why people get so bent out of shape for just seeing attractive women shake their behinds. You know, I don't get it. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. That's not something I'm very knowledgeable about. But I feel like I would be pretty if I had 10 hours of makeup on, too. So. <laughs> oh, I think you're pretty enough, as is my friend. Hey, I, you know what? I appreciate that. <laughs> Let me ask you about this, because you do know a lot about eating and, and you know a lot about fitness and things like that. How do you feel about the keto diet that's been all the rage lately? Uh, well, I know I never want to go out to dinner with anybody that is keto because they're boring as hell. um, I actually have a video uh, published about this. During my sexification is what I call it, my diet. I'm publishing my weekly update of how I'm doing, but I started out by explaining just some of the different things that I'm thinking about 
during my time. And there's short-term results, but really any most of the diets out there have short-term results. It's more about what do you want to do long-term? And I've never heard of anybody that says they want to stick to keto the rest of their life and never have any desserts, anything delicious, well, other than me, the, the high fat and all that. Let me interrupt you because the nerd here has been doing keto for over a year <laughs> and I can't get him to eat a damn slice of freaking pizza. She keeps trying oh, to really? slip fries in my food. And I'm yeah. like, no, I'm not going to do he it. He won't. Like, he, when he first started, like, he would, like, smell a Reese peanut butter cup. Like, just smell it. He doesn't even do that anymore. Like, he won't touch no sugar or carbs. None. And it drives me crazy. Well, I mean, just like religion, there's some crazy people. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm not saying they're crazy. I mean, they're crazy to me, but I respect <laughs> them. But, like, some of those extreme religions... There's people that do them. I'm sure as hell not about to. but uh, And I respect their dedication. But I always say that uh, my family wakes up every Christmas morning. We open presents, and then we have, like, two or three packages of cinnamon rolls. And I would never okay. follow a diet that wouldn't allow me to do that. But I, of course, yeah. respect people that, uh, that want to. And that's one of the issues. Keto is not a, a simple thing. It's a very complex thing. And to, to preach keto and, and some of the other diets to people that don't even know the difference between a simple and complex carb, it's, uh, it's just not right. So uh, there, there needs to be a better education of just basic nutrition for those people that are even interested so they can even know what's going on before they actually commit to doing it. The number of people that are actually that are doing keto, they're actually fully knowledgeable about it, probably isn't that high. Oh, I'm a complete idiot when it comes to keto. Trust me. I just, <laughs> the only thing I know is some people just like to be told what to eat. They don't want to yeah. make the decisions themselves. Exactly. And like, the thing is like, I just follow one rule, just eat meat, eat cheese and eat eggs. That's all I eat. And it worked. Like I lost, I, I used to be about 285 pounds and now I'm at 179. I think last time I weighed myself. Oh, no. Nice. Okay. I mean, it, it works because I don't have the dedication and the drive that you have, obviously. Like, I don't work out. And I'm looking at a treadmill over to my right as yeah. we speak right now. I have not stepped on this thing in probably close to 10 Jeez. months. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I don't have the, the thing about it is, uh, I mean, it's all about how disciplined you can be. And if you can't be that disciplined and you know yourself well enough that you're not, restrictions pretty much the way to go. So what, so what advice would you give someone out there that wants to maybe get off their butts and do something and maybe lose some weight and get some confidence in themselves? How would you coach someone into, in, into getting that? Well, I'd say the first thing they need to do is have a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, figure out why they want to do it. Like, I mean, I have full understanding of why everything I want to do. But um, if you don't know why you're doing it, you just want to – I mean – the deeper, the deeper in the rut you are, the deeper your why needs to be. I mean, like somebody, somebody just, I was responding to some, my Facebook messages before this. And uh, one of the people said they want help to lose the, the 40 pounds or something like that before they go on a trip. I mean, going on a trip or, or even that body transformation contest that I did, that's all just short term, not really deep motivational sources. It can be a great way or a great inspiration to start kicking something off. But if you're really going to stick to something and go after it 
and do something that you're going to start something that's going to go on for long term. It needs to be something you got to know why you're doing it and what benefits you're looking for that you're going that is going to help you moving forward. Kind of like a lot of mothers, yeah. they get inspiration of being want to to be active with their kids or or fathers. Uh, their doctor says, "Hey, if you go around this route, there's going to be somebody else walking your daughter down the aisle, and that can really kick them into gear." So yeah. it's, it, it'd be more of figuring out a purpose. Uh, one of the things with foodchallenges.com is our motto is when before you begin. And so uh, uh, the things with that are train, strategize, and dominate. And the training means that you have your, your stomach capacity ready. You have your body trained and ready to go. And then strategy, there's like 30 different types of food challenges. You're going to have kind of a different strategy depending on what you're eating. If you have the right training and the right strategy, you'll be able to confidently dominate. But there's so many people that start diet plans and stuff like that without winning before they begin. They just start without really having a clear-cut plan. And planning to, I mean, this cliche as it is, failing to plan is, is planning to fail. Right. Of course. Now, I, now I had a friend who, who um, managed a gym years back. And he always told me that from December to February, you see the most subscriptions and most signups. But then come March, you stop seeing those people. It's like they give up so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a uh, a very funny sign at a bar one time. It was all about how quit complaining. It was uh, the bar. It was all about quit complaining about all of us being at your gym. We don't complain about you coming to our bar only in during the holidays or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever got yourself psyched up for a, a, a food contest and you just went there and completely bombed? Uh, no. Okay. No, because I mean, I, I do homework before every challenge. Um, and I'm, unless it's like under six pounds, there's some times where I really don't do that much homework because I know I can fit it, especially if I know that I was doing. That's the thing too is if I'm doing a massive challenge one day, I know that the next days is probably going to be easier because my stomach will be so expanded from the challenge that I'm doing. But uh, the only times that, uh, I mean, if the challenge is going to be hard, I usually know going into it that I've got to be mentally ready. Like I just boom my Kesha CD that I have that really pumps me up. Um, and, I, and I get myself psyched or else I'll get on YouTube and listen to some Dwayne Johnson or, or some kind of motivational speeches or something. But the only times where I really just get uh, bamboozled, if you want to call it that, is when the restaurant screws me over. So, yeah. and, and, and I always worry because uh, it makes our videos better when the restaurant lets me back inside the kitchen to view the cooking of the food challenge. If, they, okay. if, if they're very adamant about me not being allowed in the kitchen, I start to worry because they might be fixing something up. Yeah. What does the restaurant have to gain by you losing? Uh, they saved the $45 that I would have paid for the food challenge. So you have to pay into this? Uh, well, not nowadays. Nowadays, even when I lose, I still win. Uh, I mean, I, the restaurant, well, so let's say even if I lose, there was probably 60 people there watching the food challenge that all bought food and drinks that would not have been there if I wasn't there. 
Right. So for that reason, even when I lose, I still get the meal free. Oh, good. Or How else you- sometimes uh, somebody there, a, a patron or whatever you want to call them, will step in and say, hey, I got Randy's meal. Don't worry. Oh, that's nice. That's very nice. Um, yeah. Oh, no, that's always appreciated. I always make sure to get him like a, a shirt or something like that. And I bring photos that I sign for everybody to all the events. So. See, okay, now you need, see, you need to come to Myrtle Beach. Let's I go. do, yeah. Do you, do you guys you know of any food challenges? Yeah, that would be awesome to go and see you do that. Oh, I was just around, uh, I don't know how far, let's see, how far are you? It's right on the south and North Carolina borders. Uh, no, never mind. Uh, no, no, yeah, no, shoot, maybe it's the Georgia, but where is, um, Calabash Creamery, Calabash, North Carolina, how far were you from there? We're about an hour and a half away from Calabash. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because you're, you're even further from Wilmington, right? Uh, about the same distance, probably. Okay. Mm Because I've been to Metter, Georgia. How, have you even heard of that place? Never no, heard of it. Never heard of it. Yeah, no. not many people have. It's in southeast uh, Georgia. But um, no, I would love to get there. So if you know of any food challenges, I think I may know of one. But I do think my, my from what I hear from the team is I'm going to be in South Carolina and North Carolina uh, these next few months. So Oh, oh you got to let us know. If, yeah, if, I, if we get something set up near there, I'll definitely email you and let you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, because we got a great. huge following down here, especially in the south is where we get most of our downloads. And yeah. in the south, the northeast is, I mean, like, we're huge there. So let us know, please. We'll, well definitely people promote. like to eat down there, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, everyone except for me, because I'm boring. I'm told I'm very boring, and no one wants to eat with me because I'm keto. Yeah. <laughs> well, well in, so, in the dietetics realm, uh, yeah. a lot of people get into dietetics because of stuff that's wrong with their own body. Not that wrong's the right word, but in my classes, we've got a lot of, uh, they'll have dairy allergies, they can't have any dairy, or there's a lot of celiacs, there's diabetics. Mm-hmm. So going out to dinner with all those people uh, that have the, the, the allergies and stuff is always fun just to see what they get. We went to a next, uh, dietetics is also 95% women. So I was in Washington, D.C., with about 11 dietetics women and just in, in me. And we went to this Mexican restaurant and Washington DC is a very diverse area. So the Mexican restaurant, most of the people did not exactly speak English as the primary language. So you had like six girls all with like food allergies asking <laughs> these uh, Hispanic people questions about what's in the food. If there's corn tortillas or wheat, is there butter <laughs> in the chicken? It was just so funny. I think I tipped them more just because I knew how much they had to deal with uh, oh because of God. these girls. <laughs> I do have a question. Do, um, do you, how many like partner challenges have you done? Like, do, do you do like like if it's a huge pizza and you have to eat half and someone else has to eat the other half? Do you do that a lot? I would I say was... probably seventy-five to one hundred. Wow. Uh, I, I enjoy those because they're always fun with other people. And yeah. plus, I like to collaborate with people. Like there's some there's some channels that collaborate more often than others. I collaborate a lot. So okay. it's, always, it's always fun to have other people in the videos. When I collab with people and reach doing an individual challenge, 
we always get compared. Like, oh, he would have beat you if he would have been trying harder. Mm -hmm. Oh, this and that. When we're doing a team challenge, all that comparison's not there. So it makes it it like makes it a lot more fun. Like a lot of the times, you each eat your you each eat your half. It's just more of a fun overall experience. But the other thing too is, I've also done so many team pizza challenges that that they're kind of played out as far as people know that if it's me and another really good eater versus a 10 pound pizza, they already know the results. So they're not as likely to click on it. Right. uh, That's one of the downsides. Do you ever get nervous doing a team challenge that your partner or whatever, isn't going to be able to finish? No, because I don't, I don't, I don't work with unproven partners. Okay. That's good. Nowadays with so many subscribers and with the restaurants uh, hosting us and having us, uh, all these people come and stuff like that. It mm-hmm. would be wrong of me uh, from a business perspective to to try to do a challenge with somebody that that I don't even really know who's not proven. Right, that makes so sense. So all, all my partners usually have at least 25 or 50 food challenge wins under their belt. And if it's like over a 13-pound challenge, they're very well proven, and I know that they can eat their half. Another, we used to actually, this used to be a, a thing for Mitch and I, uh, Magic Mitch Dombrowski was my first editor that started with me in 2013, uh, and it was with me, he's always been full-time, our other editor, Arthur, started in 2016, but uh, Mitch has been on a lot of the trips with me, and in order for me to get more victories, we would do a, a me, I would do a personal food challenge for lunch, and then he would stay fresh, because he didn't really care too much about what the wins were or whatnot, and he was just part of the team. So he would be fresh, and then we would do a team pizza challenge at dinner. So even if it came to the point where I wasn't feeling good, I was full or whatnot, I would at least be able to eat my third or whatnot, and then he would be able to be full strength to eat the rest. Oh, see, that's cool. So the other person can cover for whoever can't finish it. That's awesome. That's yes, awesome. Yeah, and it also helped Mitch out sometimes because he ended up eating more, and it helped him as far as people were like, oh, wow, Mitch ate a lot. So they yeah. would be more likely to subscribe and check out his videos on his own YouTube channel. Hmm. That's pretty damn cool. Now, let me ask you about Atlas. How did you get that nickname, and who came up with it? How did you come to be atlas be known awesome okay yeah no that's a that's a good question i get a lot and then people wonder about like the pre-ritual especially the hat turn but my friend dan graham like i said we did uh, that first team pizza challenge together and we uh we were figuring out because a lot of the competitive eaters had nicknames yeah so we were trying to think of our own cool little nicknames and we couldn't think of anything this was in 2010, right around the time when Jersey Shore was popular. Yeah, okay. So everybody knew about the nickname, the situation, and stuff like that, and we're, we're yeah. laughing at that. And us meatheads just got done with this transformation, because he helped me with it. He was on a weight loss kick, too, during it. And we decided we were trying to think of cool nicknames as cool as the situation or something like that, but we couldn't think of anything. So one day, he just decided... He messaged me and said, hey, I'll be Zeus. And if he was going to be Zeus, I figured I would be Atlas. So so we we played football together at Missouri State University. He was a linebacker. I was a offensive lineman. So I wrote, I bought these two shirts that I found at Gordman's uh, that were really meatheadish. 
they had uh, there were there were actual T-shirts, but they had these two cannons on them, and it had arrows pointing to the arms. It says these aren't guns; they're cannons. I wore the shirt in the first 200 or first 199 food challenge wins, but um, I cut the sleeves off and then put our football numbers on the back, and then Zeus on his and Atlas on mine, and then we wore those for our first pizza challenge, and then we wore them again for our second pizza challenge. But then uh, that was an individual one that he lost, and he ended up quitting after that. He never did a food challenge again. But, yeah, <laughs> Atlas came from that. I kept Atlas and Zeus promotions in the name because I liked uh, A to Z. The lo- our first logo had A to Z because I wanted to do more than just food challenges with it. But then the actual hat turn uh, is part of my pre-ritual. Have you ever watched the movie Over the Top? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. Sir. Yeah, that's one of my dad and I's favorites, especially growing up. But before every arm wrestling match, he turns his hat and transforms into what he just simply calls a machine. And then he <laughs> dominates anybody against him. I do the same thing with my hat and I transform into Atlas. Which is why during my food challenges, when the meals are free, I have Atlas embroidered onto the back. Okay. So how do they announce you when you're coming to the stage to eat your food? I know they have some kind of production. Do you have like a theme song or anything like that? They're like, here he comes, here here comes Atlas, and they play a song for you, come out, the crowd gets hyped up. Oh, my gosh. What video (laughs) have you watched for that? No, uh, everything is pretty much me. Like, I'm I'm the the center of entertainment uh, during the food challenges. It's very rare when the restaurant actually steps in and has like a microphone to introduce me sure. or anything like that. There will be some sometimes where it will be like, hey, attention, everybody. Randy Sandell is here to try our food challenge. That's mostly when a lot more, more of the restaurant is not there to watch than actually is there. Most of the times nowadays, more of the people, because one of the cool things is we have so many people coming to the events that sometimes we have to do them at off times. If a restaurant can only fit 50 people in their restaurant, we can't be doing it at 6 o'clock on a Saturday. We've got to do it when not as many people are going to be in there. So, um, yeah, it all depends on the restaurant. So some of them, like the places that have live bands and stages and stuff, they'll usually put me on a table by myself on the center stage. But other times I'll just have to sit wherever the most people can see me. But, yeah, there's no real entrance music to it. (laughs) (laughs) He he opens the door really hard and walks in. If if there's entrance music at all, it's for the challenge itself. Well, the reason why I asked is because I was watching a lot of food challenges, you know, like after we, we, uh, you know, made contact and whatnot. And I was watching Kobayashi and, like, a lot of Joey Chestnut. But those are the competitive guys. They come out there. They have, like, world title belts and... Theme yeah, songs. They, have, they have an announcer or an MC for those. Have you ever done anything like that? Have you ever done a competitive challenge against someone else? I've done an eating contest before, but I don't really. I'm not. A, I'm not one of those people that that enjoys doing something for second place. So yeah. I don't really do too many eating contests because the ones with money usually have one of my like seven or eight friends there that are just too good. And like I could train for three years and never beat him. So, I do. I so do have. I, a, I have no desire to try to compete against him. I do have a question. I don't know if you would know the answer, but um, you had mentioned the the hot dog eating. You know, 
and we've watched that a few times and they always dip their hot dog or bun into the water do you know why people might do that is it to make it softer so it goes down easier or like what is that because it just looks gross like why do they do that entirely gross i actually in an article on foodchallenges.com i refer to dunking as the steroids of competitive eating okay Uh, it's it's totally nasty and one of the things that's good about the contest that's on espn those camera angles are all from pretty far out and everybody's watching from pretty far out but yeah, exactly like you said, you dump the buns into the water so that you have to chew less. The water soaks into the bun, and then you're able to pretty much just swallow it all down. Like, so I've done a couple of hot dog contests, and mm-hmm. uh, not to be graphic, but um, if somebody gets sick after a hot dog contest, uh, which a lot of those people do, I mean, I wouldn't want to digest 70 freaking hot dogs either. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Too much sodium. Oh, just everything, the nitrates or whatever, uh, yeah. plus just what's in hot dogs in general. But um, let's see, what was I going to say? Huh. You, you can be as graphic as you want on this show. Oh, Trump. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, those hot dogs will come out in like just two or three pieces. <laughs> oh, God. Per hot dog. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty much getting them lubed up with the water so they can just slide down. Wow. You make it sound yeah. very sexual. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people, I personally cannot drink water. I can't dunk anything in water. Uh, I have had to dunk a couple times during food challenges because if I didn't, I would have lost. And while I don't preach the dunking, I also don't preach that losing is a good thing. So right. I would I would dunk a couple times. But if it comes down to that, uh, when I do hot dog contests, I don't think I've done one since 2015, but I'll use a regular lemonade. Oh, okay. So yeah, see, the at least sugar and then the better. flavor helps it make helps make the buns go down easier. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you know, I was watching a couple of your videos before we got on the air here, and I can see like you're you're quite the showman while you're doing these these uh, these contests. How important is it to you to have showmanship, and and do you use it as kind of a tactic to you know let the food settle so you can fit more in? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I, I try to keep everybody engaged. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people think that I talk too much during the food challenges, but also too, there's plenty of eating challenge channels that you can watch where all they do is eat and they don't do any talking or anything to to keep everybody engaged. Right, Not only right. is there nobody there to watch them, but also they've got probably less than 30,000 subscribers as well. Right. So I try to keep everybody engaged and actively involved. If somebody makes a joke, I'll when I have time or when I can, I'll stop and I'll say something back. Like uh, somebody called, I was doing a pizza challenge and the other day, uh, no, uh, I was reviewing it. I was reviewing a couple of the videos that are posting upcoming and somebody said, uh, oh, that's a piece of cake. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's a piece of pizza. <laughs> so, <laughs> just getting people to laugh and stay engaged, because if more people are involved and actively a uh, part of it, it's going to be a better overall experience for everybody. Those people will be going home and telling other people, you know, like there's some people that, that come to me and they say, you know, Randy, I came here having no idea what to expect. I've never just watch the guy eat but you make it a lot of fun and i appreciate that so they they're more they're more likely to go back and watch more videos too so 
Right. Uh, it's, it's a big thing. Even when, uh, when I do food challenges with people that, that are quiet, more introverted, they're going to get a lot more subscribers from my subscribers if they're extroverted and they're talking more and, and more engaging. The ones that I have to introduce them, they don't talk much. Nobody's really that likely to go from our video to watching their videos and their channel. So you got to be engaging and, and talking and it helps being 6'5". And also too, all the talking is helping me get ready for all of my future because I'm going to go from doing these food challenges to then being a public speaker, which I'll have to be entertaining and engaging as well as with that, helping people better understand their, their nutrition, their weight management, while being motivational as well. Right. Now, I do have a question for you. And uh, it, it, like when you've done all these challenges, have you ever had someone in the restaurant or in the crowd or wherever that's just a complete dick and is just like, like a heckler yeah just saying stupid shit just to you know to get under your skin have you ever had not that? anymore uh i have had okay. a couple drunk people earlier on but i never have to worry about it at events anymore because my subscribers will step in and tell them to shut the hell up Oh, see, good because that. Oh my God, it would want to knock Plus, someone I mean, out. I mean, like you're a pretty big. You're you're six foot five, so all you got to do is kind of just stand up, and I'm sure you topple <laughs> over whoever the hell's heckling you. Well, I have to be careful too, because sometimes the hecklers and the people that are that are really annoying, they're mm -hmm. not meaning to be annoying, and they're under eight. Oh, so okay. to be to be a jerk to a kid. Yeah. I'm the jerk. <laughs> yeah, yes. So, okay. so like, I'll just have to really ask nicely or something. Like, I was doing a, a Cuban sandwich, and uh, there was a girl just yelling and screaming, cheering for me, not really thinking about how it's messing up my whole video. So yeah, we just okay. had to kind of calm her down, ask her to, to, to be a little bit quieter. And then I, I, of course, gave her a big hug and thanked her and everything afterwards. So that's kind of a, a tender thing. But if it's anybody that's older and just drunk, um, I will get these are these are never involved with the video. But like if I do, like I say, for example, in Ohio, uh, we got a video coming up that I did in December. It's a biscuits and gravy challenge. I did at a thing called Granny's Kitchen, where most of the clientele is over 60. I had okay. like I had like three or four people try to lecture me about thinking my long term health. Uh, they just had somebody die of a heart attack, blah, 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 without even knowing me. They had no idea who I was, and they just started lecturing and talking like I haven't thought of all that and stuff like that. But it's never during the food challenge. Oh, good. So, I always but, find that the people that are pointing the fingers always have the most problems. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even, uh, yeah, it's like in the movie uh, The American Gangster or yep. whatever. The mm -hmm. loudest person in the room is usually the weakest. Yeah, and that's why I have a problem with religion. The people, oh, the people that are telling you to do it. Right <laughs> he went there. Oh goodness. <laughs> well, we nowadays religion and nutrition are very similar as far as viewpoints. How so? I mean, there's so many people on our videos that respond to my uh, diet and uh, sexification videos that they act like that their their thoughts and points are the only things wrong. Oh, and uh, they're like, "Oh, carbs are the devil." Uh, you got to get out of your carbs. And I just tell them, uh, I just ask if, if they believe that they're racist at all. 
<laughs> and uh, they say, I have no idea what you mean by that, but no, I'm not racist. I was like, well, I, it, it could be argued that you're fairly ignorant because there are billions of people that maintain very healthy lives while on a, a mostly carb diet yeah. all over the world. Are you aware of that? And then they, they don't really respond. Yeah. All you have to do is show them The Rock's Instagram page because he posts his meals. And this guy eats like 15 pancakes. I know. All the shit he eats. <laughs> and the guy is built. And I'm sure he has a little bit of help from the Mexican uh, pharmaceutical companies that he uh, gets his supplies from, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the guy eats a lot of shit, but he does work out. I mean, the thing he's about steroids. He's got a lot of muscle. He's got to feel less for darn sure. Oh, yeah. And, and the thing about steroids is, like, you can take steroids. Like, I can tell. Like, I'm a very small man. I can take steroids. I'm not going to get muscles immediately. You have to put work in, obviously. It yeah. just accelerates the process. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lord. But do you think... I'm not really good at telling on who's on steroids and who's not. I mean, there is an eye test for some people that you can kind of look at them and be like, all right, that guy's got to be on something. There's, or you can like, look at previous photos be. from years ago, yeah. But that's one yeah, thing Yeah, like your head I doesn't grow. I mean, it, it could be assumed, well assumed, that there's a lot of people on Instagram and stuff that call themselves natural, YouTube as well, that aren't exactly natural. Yeah, have you have you ever gone through like a deep dive on Instagram and see those girls with like the huge butts and they're obviously fake? They're like injected with some kind of silicone or some you know some kind of weird shit. People are altering their bodies at a very rapid rate nowadays. Yeah, all yeah. I mean, even like any of those girls that get plastic surgery to look like Barbie. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of that stuff going on just for views and, and Instagram likes and follows. So. What is your weight like, loss program? I've never, my, my sister, uh, w we'll take photos together sometimes and, and yeah. she'll give me photos that where she touches up our teeth and stuff and whitens up a little bit. It pisses me off. Like sometimes they'll be too touched up. I'm like, Shelly, this is not natural. I'm not <laughs> posting this. Post our damn freaking regular photo. Yeah. That's why I'm glad we have you on, my friend. Let's 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 teach people together how to lose weight the right way and and and, and how to get a natural looking body. What do you do to lose all that weight in six weeks? You lost all that weight. What do you do? Because the way that I did it is not right. Just by completely shutting your body off from all things that your body probably needs, like carbs and and real food. What do you do? Well, my exercises would be really poor if I was on keto. Because, like, on Sundays, I ride for three hours on my spin bike about 60 miles. So I don't think I would do very good carb-free. So, but no, my, my big focus is... Because I obviously I, my cholesterol and my my blood glucose levels go up a bit when I'm on these trips. So when I'm home, I like I have my staples as far as carbs or oats, uh, beans, uh, rinsed. I I don't make my own beans. I just buy the canned ones. But I always try to get lower sodium or no no sodium at it, and then I always rinse them regardless. But uh, oatmeal and then uh, brown rice, quinoa stuff like that, usually the whole grains, but I live by myself, so it makes it a lot easier for me. I don't have to care about anybody else. I just buy, uh, like, I, I say that I have no restrictions, but also at the same time, I keep all of the higher calorie, low nutrition foods out of my house and really only have high nutrition, lower calorie foods. Like, years ago, my buddy was, was home with me 
and uh, we had just got done going to the bars and stuff, and he wanted to drunk eat, and he had to settle for a couple cans of tuna with some American cheese <laughs> and hot oh, sauce. <laughs> hot sauce. Hot sauce makes everything A-plus meal. No, but also, too, I'm going at it pretty aggressively. Like I said at the beginning, people don't really have the time available to do all the exercising that I'm doing. Like yesterday, I worked out, I lifted for an hour, and then I rode my bike for two hours. So, I mean, people with families, people with, with jobs where they, I mean, this is kind of my job, so I, I take it pretty seriously. Yeah, is this your like your full time thing? This is what I mean. Do you have another job, or is this no? What I've you been full time since 2013. So I, I was wow. in the construction Amazing. industry, construction management from 2008 yeah. when I graduated till 2013. Uh, in 2013, I became a storm chaser for about seven months, and I moved up to Ooh. Omaha, Nebraska, and I sold roofs for a roofing company. And I made yeah. enough money through the sales and the project management. Uh, I think it was like 65000 in about seven months. But I was working not, uh, sunrise to sunset, uh, even after sunset, uh, for most of those seven months. But uh, that made enough to fund my first European tour with Mitch. Uh, the first few months of, of not having a construction job. And then also all of the, the fees to get foodchallenges.com started. It, uh, it's a big joke with my family that I told them when I moved home and at the end of 2013 to start off 2014 with mom and dad, I told them I was just going to be home while I got my stuff together for three or four months and then I'd be out. Well, <laughs> I moved out in uh, <laughs> August 2016, so uh, wow. mother and father gave me some crap for that, but I, we were not making hardly that much money. That's one of the things about Magic Mitch is why... Uh, he'll always be with me and I'll always keep a lookout for him is that he worked for like two years for me doing all the videos, like one or two videos a, a, a week for like nothing. We didn't actually start making any kind of, and keep in mind, I started in 2010. I didn't start making any kind of real monetization that we always split 50, 50 till like 2016. So oh, it wasn't about making money during that time. It was about saving money. So by living right. free at mom and dad's, uh, being cheap with the, the gym membership, not really going out much, not driving much, just being really thrifty, I was able to sustain until 2016, the YouTube channel started doing better. And then life got really great when Facebook monetized in June 2018. Oh, boy. Now, this is really motivating stuff because a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs. Like, they want to make something of themselves. And and the same thing with us. Like, that's why we're doing this podcast. We've been doing it for a year. We've, mm -hmm. we've got just under 200 episodes, and we're on our way to 500,000 downloads, and we're on pace to hit over a million this year alone. Wow, that's so, a lot of persistence. That says a lot about you guys. It's yeah. a lot of grinding, it's man. A, it's a lot of grinding, my friend. And I kind of want to ask you this, and I want to hear your answer because a lot of people are going to be motivated by this. How do you handle the whole thing where, you know, it doesn't work immediately and you have to have patience and you have to make this thing work somehow, some way? How did you do this with all the, you know, horrible, you know, things that could happen? Like, hey, this may fail. This may not work. I, I may fall on my face and have to work at a supermarket, the produce aisle or wherever. How did you stay focused the whole time? Well, 
Well, the, the biggest stress in life for health, almost everybody, is if they have good health, their biggest stress is usually financial. So I've always, even since 2012 maybe, I've, I've kind of lived like a minimalist. I don't really call myself a minimalist, but everything in my apartment is just a one-bedroom, uh, very reasonable apartment. Uh, it's only $405 a month while I've been living in Springfield. But I've always kept my expenses super low because I knew that I was only stressed when I knew that all my expenses were high. So now my life's expenses uh, are less than $750 a month. So that's what helped me be more, I guess, secure so that I was able to focus most of my mental, my mental capacity on doing everything I wanted to do. So yeah, that, that is a big struggle as far as um, like those first, that's, that's where it really becomes having something is better than having something perfect because people want to perfect their videos during the first 50 to 100, not even really thinking about how nobody's going to see them compared to the future. So it's, no. it's, it's not that big of a deal to have a couple inaccuracies or errors. Like if you watch our first hundred videos, they were by me. It wasn't until 2013 that Magic Mitch joined in and, and started getting everything better. But the big thing just to end it is that I always loved what I was doing. I mean, my goal, once I realized I hated uh, construction, is my goal was to figure out a way to making a living, eating, traveling, and working out. In 2010, I went on my first trip outside the United States to Auckland, New Zealand to appear on that, uh, that show of Spartacus. So yeah. um, I wanted to travel a lot more than I had previously. So one of the things I used to always ask people that were wondering stuff is I'd ask them, if everybody in the world made $30 an hour, no more, no less for doing whatever they wanted, what would you do? And then they'd give me the answer, and then almost all of them would ask me what I would do. And I'd say, well, I would do exactly what I do now, and I'd make, oh, I'd make about $30 more an hour. <laughs> <laughs> now, with all the places that you've been and all the challenges you've done and all this stuff, do you ever plan on, like, writing a book about your experiences at all? I'm probably, I don't, I don't know. I may have an autobiography at some point. Um, it'll probably be yeah. some ghostwriting involved. But uh, there will be a book once I'm a dietitian coming out all about a nutrition education system that I've been working on since 2012, which is one of the big reasons I still do the food challenges. I'm growing my community so that when it comes time, there's no dietitians on video platforms at all. On social media, there's only a couple, even with over 100,000 followers, on uh, Instagram. When you compare that to the fitness community, we're like basically mm -hmm. non-existent. So by growing my social media with all these food challenges, I'm helping to put myself at a better spot once I'm a dietitian. And then I'll be using the channels to promote and educate a lot of the stuff that will be in the book that will be coming out once I'm a dietitian. Oh, cool! That's awesome. And now, with the whole social media thing because you've got a lot of followers online the facebook thing is, is close to a million you got hundred thousand on instagram your your, your twitter is booming it's got what like eleven thousand followers and whatnot did oh, you yeah. have instagram is my stepchild the uh, <laughs> uh twitter is the the yeah. kid i leave in the basement <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, the thing about it is, like, did you have a moment where you had, like, very few followers and then it just boomed out of nowhere? Or was it a gradual increase? How did you how did you maximize the whole social media thing? Because that is our biggest hurdle. Yeah. Is, One is of the big like, works. We just like it. Yeah. One of the big things in, uh, that really jump-started our YouTube channel was in 2015. I was over. I borrowed 4000 uh, bucks from my mom and dad from my sister and I's wedding fund because I knew neither of us would need it anytime soon. And I did a 2015 United Kingdom and Ireland tour that was like 45 days or something like that. But during that, I got contacted by Vice Media that I had never heard of and didn't know what it was, wanting to do an interview. And I figured, hey, yeah, I'll meet up before this challenge where you want and we'll do this 30-minute interview or whatnot. Well, 23 hours and two days later, we had this whole documentary film that turned into an 18-minute video called Meet Randy Santel, World-Class Professional Leader. And it posted to one of their Munchies channels, uh, which now has a couple million subscribers. But that video's got over a million views now. And it, when it kicked off, now a lot of people watched that video that had never heard of me before. And there's a, a real kicker. There's a real... Uh, uh, I forgot what, oh, a hook. There's a real big hook at the end that really just seals it for me. And there's just a massive ROI of people going from watching that video if they finished it to checking out more of our videos. And also, I've gone through all the like 2,500 comments that have been on that video and I've commented back to thank them for watching. So that oh, really see, helped. Nice I've been doing it all over since 2015. Like every... Every, like, two months, I'll go back and I'll respond to all the comments that have been most recent. A lot of them nowadays, of course, have already watched. They'll see it in the related actual that video itself. But uh, the, YouTube, the Facebook page, that grew really quickly by leaps and bounds because once everybody was monetized and stuff, and, and there were pages monetized before we were, but everybody's wanting to share. All these like media conglomerates and stuff are wanting to have these big pages where they don't have their own stuff they produce. They just use everybody else's. So I used to just tell everybody, and I still do, anybody that emails me wanting to use our content and upload it, even for monetization, I don't care at all. I say, yes, thanks for the opportunity. Please credit my Facebook page. So on the yeah. early days when like Unilad and, and Lad Bible and some of the really big ones I mean, both of those have 40 million or more followers now, but uh, there used to be times where we used to grow 10 million, 10,000 a day uh, in oh followers because uh, we'd post a video. And then once once one of the big channels post it, uh, an edited version, of course, with their stuff on it and all that, then all the other channels would post it, too, that I would get I'd get like 10 more emails. Hey, can we share this video? And I'd say yes. So they'd all be sharing our, our Facebook link. And so everybody would, that wanted to would go from that video to, to our page. So now we're at over a million followers. Oh, and these are genuine people. Yeah, and these are like genuine followers, not like bots or anything. Because I was looking at your page and you get a lot of people just commenting and liking your, your stuff. So that's a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people have been giving me crap because I was so excited. I just got a new car. I in, in 2015, I got rid of the car that I had because it was just 
there was like nine things wrong with it. It was totally dead. And uh, my mom and dad was, was one sitting in the driveway while I was on this long uh, 78 day tour leaking everywhere. Yeah. And then once I got back from the tour, I had no money, so I couldn't buy a car. And I was living with mom and dad and they had, they each had a vehicle. So I was just able to drive theirs when I needed. But then I still had no money when I went off to college again in 2016. I was getting as many federal loans as I could using the extra money and in addition to what the, was covered by the, uh, my tuition, I would use that to pay off my summer tours. Oh, so okay. I didn't wow. actually have a car uh, because uh, I, I was close enough to the campus where I could ride my bike and I was within walking distance of a grocery store. So I didn't need a car. I got a car in 2018 because we were good on money at the time, but uh, it had an unfortunate accident two months after getting it. <laughs> and it was only 36 oh, no. bucks, so I didn't have full coverage on it. So it actually had my bike on it, too, so I lost my car and my bike at the same time. So I had to buy a bike the next day. But then I just oh. bought a new car. Uh, it's, well, it's new to me. It's used. But I was so excited that I posted myself in my backyard on Wednesday saying tomorrow there will be a car there. So it's just basically <laughs> an empty parking lot and it got like 3,000 likes or whatever on Facebook. So people have been like giving my mom crap and stuff. How does he gotten to the point where he posts a picture of his backyard and 3,000 people <laughs> like it? I'm like, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> Oh, boy. Now, can you tell us about foodchallenges.com? How did this thing get created? What's it all about? Anything you want to talk about with foodchallenges.com? Yeah. Well, I started out with randysantel.com, and the whole reason that inspired that is because when I first did my very first food challenge, and really even the 50 after that, I had nowhere to turn to for tips. There was nowhere. I couldn't find any spot where there was, like, training tips or anything like that on how I could get ready for these food challenges. So one of the, the main things that I had on randysantel.com was like these six different pages with basic food challenge tips and strategies that people could use. I eventually got to a point where I saw more with all the food challenges and the community and stuff. So it was basically foodchallenges.com is an, is an evolvement of randysantel.com and on that, there's not only, there's a list database where you can find out all the food challenges based on location, whether it's the city or country or whatnot, but also a map too. So you could put in Myrtle Beach or you could put in North Carolina, South Carolina, Alaska, Switzerland, whatever you want onto the map. And all the food challenges that we know of are tagged so it'll come up on the map. Oh, but then, so you can cool. find them all, which that database takes a lot of work to maintain. Because uh, the challenges keep getting defunct, deleted, restaurants closing down, and then also added uh, all the time. So it takes a lot to keep up with that. But then I also created like, I'd say, what, probably 30 or 40, 50 articles uh, for promoters, uh, people with restaur restaurant owners wanting to create a challenge. Uh, mm -hmm. Man versus Food got all these restaurants hyped to create a food challenge, but they too never had any spot to go to or or place to turn to for tips and stuff. So I have like a, a promoters tab with articles to help people create, market, and do everything else you want to do for a food challenge. And then as far as the eaters go, there's like a hundred different articles with all the, it, it, every, there's 
if you have a question about food challenges, there's an article that answers it. Uh, I, there's, even, even to this day, I wrote all those in like 2014. Even to this day, I still use it all. There's nothing new that I need to update. Oh boy! Wow, and it's really cool too because if somebody just asks, even anybody, "Hey, what should I do uh, if I want to get into competitive eating and food challenges like you?" People will save themselves time and just tell them, "Hey, do exactly what most of us all did: go to Randy Santel or go to foodchallenges.com and check out all Randy's articles, and then you'll be able to start from there and then build your own ideas." Because just like as I'm going to be doing with dieting and weight loss and weight management and even weight gaining too, because people need help with that, is there's no one way that's right. So right. Exactly. it pretty much gives a basic general education on everything. And then it allows people, once they have a general understanding, to build personally, develop their own stuff using my base strategies. Oh, that's awesome, man. Now, now, realistically, where do you see yourself in, let's say, five years with, with the brand and everything that you're building? Where do you see yourself? Uh, well, as far as foodchallenges.com, I don't really know because it's going to be two different worlds. Very hard to, to, to be the number one social media dietitian while I'm still helping out with foodchallenges.com and stuff. So I'll still own it and be an investor and stuff. I'll probably have to pay somebody to management to manage it and kind of be the face of it. Um, I mean, my food challenge videos are always going to be up on the channels and stuff like that. Uh, when I redo randysantel.com, there's going to be a map with a big global uh, map, uh, interactive map. And then everywhere I've done a food challenge is going to be basically a dot, a bubble with a link to the YouTube video of the food challenge mm -hmm. that I did. And uh, just for people's sake, tell whether the restaurant's still uh, open or closed or whatnot. But yeah, no, in five years by then, I'll be pretty much done. I'll be retired from the food challenges and traveling around as a motivational slash uh, public speaker, uh, educating people about various things that are that are going to be in my book and education system. And then also I'll have uh, dietitians and people working under me that I'll have to manage them as well and, and many other things. So I'm uh, hoping to have kind of a, a fit, not, not really a fitness apparel brand, but uh, some, some branding as far as clothes wise and uh, obviously the book and then lots of other stuff. So lots more upcoming. It's going to be fun. I tell people I've been doing this almost 10 years now, but in reality, it's all still the beginning. Yeah, that's awesome. And we will, We'll send you our T-shirt sizes right after the show ends because we are expecting some Randy Santel official T-shirts. That is going to be cool. I'll wear that oh my God! All around when I come to Beach, Beach, I'll get you one. Don't you worry. <laughs> hey, I'm going to hold you to that, my friend. This thing is recorded out, of course. You hey, know, so we're going to hold you to that. It's legally binding. Maximum integrity and stick to my word. <laughs> Can you please tell everyone out there where they can find you? Now's the time of the show where you can plug everything that you got. Oh, hell, I already think I did. Uh, foodchallenges.com for anybody that's wondering any food challenge tips or where any food challenges are around them. Uh, my, my, home, my personal website is randysantel.com. That doesn't all get updated too much. But to follow our main pages uh, where we post all of our videos is the YouTube channel and the Facebook page. 
uh, and even Instagram and Twitter. I have Instagram and then most of my pages linked to my Twitter. But everything is Randy Santel. There's only one. And if you ever find out about another one, please let me know so I can get rid of them. <laughs> there you go. As you were saying that, I actually hit you up on Twitter. I followed you on Twitter. So follow us back. Okay. Every I will counts. do that. I, I'm, I'm saying follow back. And if you want to follow my workouts and stuff, I'm on Strava too. That's my, uh, my real name, which is Randall Santel, A-L-L. Okay. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the great Randy Santel, the greatest eater of all time. <laughs> I have the most food challenge wins in the world. That's amazing. Holy man. shit, man. Are you in the Guinness Book of World Records for any of this? No, because the Guinness World of Records doesn't promote what they deem as gluttonous behavior. What? Oh, my God. What's some gonna, of the bitches? That I've never actually really pushed for it. Two of my friends have. So, and then they were told no, which is why I've never really pushed. But when I get to like a thousand or something, I'm going to try to establish some sort of record. It would be hard because, uh, I mean, while I believe that my way of counting is right, I only count individual food challenge wins. If I beat a challenge a second time, I don't count it as a new win. But uh, you'd have to, in order to have a real record, you'd actually have to have a set standard of rules that are abided by so that's oh, another okay. thing that would complicate that Some people that say they have this many wins but in that is eating contest wins and i could yeah. i could do an eating contest against my mom dad and sister and call it a win but is it really <laughs> is it really worthy of being called a win i mean did i really beat anybody exactly randy you have to promise us that once you have your book out once everything falls into place you got to come back in the voices misery podcast I will my do friend that. I, we have that on recording, too. You just uh, message my team, and I'll be back on. I hope that when the time awesome. comes, since that's not in the near future, I hope you guys are still doing this. Oh, oh we will. We're not going to stop this enjoy it. That's what matters. Life's too short. To you got it, you buddy. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the Voices of Misery podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Randy Santel. Yes, it is I, Bin Hameen, commanding all of you to join the wrestling revolution, the underground of media, and follow our brothers at Voices of Misery on Twitter and subscribe to their podcast because they support HackerHameen.Podbean.com and you will go support VoicesOfMisery.Podbean.com because there is no more misery when you leave those FM Mark channels and you join the media underground of Voices of Misery and HackerHameen.Podbean.com. Rise and praise, y'all. <laughs>